Greetings and welcome to the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres and I'm your host today. My special guest today is Moses. Moses is a foster care success story and he would like to protect his privacy. So we're just going to refer to him as Moses right now. But there's something about Moses that's very unique, actually many things when I first met him. And uh, one, it was his professionalism. That was what first got my attention. And second was his ability to do the right thing when he saw confusion. He saw some confusion. It was a minor administrative error, but he said, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to put my own eyes on it. I'm going to take care of it to make sure it's done. And I thought, wow, okay, that's cool. Because a lot of people want to just say, okay, hey, you know, there's confusion. I got to, I'll be back. But he took care of it. And then we started talking and he told me that he had come up in through, through the uh, foster care system in the States of New York and Virginia. And I've had a couple experiences with the foster care system. Once as a child, my parents had a uh, foster care teenager, a son, and their intent was right, but they weren't ready for it. And as soon as the young man started having some behavior issues, my dad and mom had some stress about it and they, they couldn't keep him. And that was something that I've never forgotten. So then when my wife and I were married, a few years after we were married, we started to try for kids and nothing was happening. So we started, we decided that there are a lot of kids out there that need help. So we went through the foster care classes of in the Pinellas County, Florida. And it is a system that is in dire need of attention. And this is why I asked Moses to interview because he is a success story for kids that are in those systems and did not end in prison. So Moses, my friend, thank you for being here today. Thank you I, for inviting me. Absolutely. You got, and you know, we didn't even talk for that long, but wow, it's, it's amazing. And I'm thankful that you're here today. I appreciate you bringing me. I appreciate you bringing me. So uh, New York and Virginia, which one came first? It was New York. I was born in New York, you know, so my beginning of my life was there, you know, and of course, as a kid growing up, you don't think, you know, that you're in the wrong or you're doing wrong. You're just being a kid. You don't know what's going on, going on around you for real. You know, you're going off of what your parents teach you, you know. So, of course, you know, when I was a kid around 95, I think I was about seven years old. Mom died. Okay. You know, and seven. Yeah, yeah, about seven years old. My mom died. Were you only child in the family? Ah, no, I actually got a twin brother and four other sisters. Okay. Yeah, I got four other sisters, which, of course, when my mother passed, they made decisions to send the girls with her side of the family. And being that my brother and I was just my father's only two kids, we went with our father. Okay. And of course, who wasn't on the right path? He was not on the right path. Um, Your father? My father. Okay. Yeah, he was not on the right path. He uh, was a drug head, you know, running the streets, basically homeless, living with his mom. You know, so um, we basically lived with my grandma, his mother. Yeah. And and life just started there. It, he took us out on his drug runs. And how, how old were you? When? About six, seven years old. You six. know, when my mom passed, I went with him. So got with him and 
he had us running the streets and we thought, hey, this is, you know, what we're supposed to be doing. You know, he's got us stealing cars. He's got us doing all types of things until, you know, the system intervened. System was like, hey, you know, you got caught by the police. Uh, you got the kids running the streets with you. This is not the right way, you know, and then my aunt tried to step in. But well, how old were you when when the system when the system stepped in, I was about eight years old. So okay. I was ripping and running the streets with my dad for about a year or two. And um, like I said, he had us running from the police, had us doing all types of crazy stuff, even stealing cars. Like I said, um, being that blows my mind because I, I got little guys and I'm like. And I was telling them, I was like, this is, this man has been through a lot and he's, and, and he's here and there. And I was like, imagine you driving a car right now. And they're like, their eyes went full guy. Right. And, you know, and, and I don't have to look over my shoulder now though, because he's sleeping. <laughs> but then it's just like, as a kid, oh, I'm having fun. This is something. My, and my dad's letting me, I, I could take this stranger's car and I'm okay. You know, and as a kid, you think it's right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. This is what we're doing. We're playing cops and robbers, but this is real life cops and robbers. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I remember one point we even had to hide in a car dealership up under, you know, the cars to be hidden from the police. They got the spotlights going. I lose my shoe. He's like, forget my shoe. I'll buy you millions, you know, of shoes later on in life, which I never got. But hey, that's not the moral story. But I get it. You I know, you. so um, they, they, it, I don't know. It's just like, with your main parents, you would think that they would be wanting to do a little bit more for you, you know, instead of what was going on in my life. Now, I took that and I ran with it as a kid thinking that was the right way. Okay. And of course, you know, obviously it won't, the system stuff. Yeah. But um, it went from there to, wow. Uh, the system tried to place, with, place us with our aunt. All she cared about was money and getting foot massages. Okay. And of course we was locked in, not allowed to go nowhere system took us from them and we were supposed to get sent to a different uh country different country yeah they was like well we're gonna send them back to puerto rico or it was some other country that we were supposed to go to because there was nobody in the states that wanted us and you're of puerto rican descent yes I'm okay rican. yeah so you lasted how long at your aunt's house uh, I would say about a year or two. Okay so you went a couple years yep. on the streets with your dad yep a couple years with your aunt Mm -hmm. and then then where'd you go from there um again the state intervened they saw that she was beating us using us as slaves and not as you know actual kids not raising you yeah not raising us um then we went from there to our uncle from virginia okay thought he was saving the day you know and he did he saved our day we we, we thought we was coming out of something bad or something you know better and for a while everything was going smooth okay and out of nowhere, everything just changed. His wife, I mean, it, it was crazy. His wife, she beat us like there was no tomorrow. Oh my gosh. I mean, and I'm talking about not with just belts. I'm talking about with broomsticks. I, I, I even got managed to get beat with a miniature TV. You know, little tiny TVs that are about this big. Yeah. When you're growing up back. Yeah, it was like a box, like a yeah, tube, little right? tiny. Yeah, the little, when they first came out with the little miniature ones. Yeah. And, yeah, well, she happened to pick that and just beat me with it. Just beat me. And, we, out of nowhere, not knowing what we did wrong, we was making straight A's in schools. Wow. We never got so in trouble. So you're academically engaged and you're doing well. Wonderful. I mean, straight A's in schools. Teachers are saying we got manners that they never seen before, saying, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. So we never understood why we was getting beat, you know? Man. And um, this was a, a wild one. One day she comes home and uh, she got a phone call. Because, of course, I'm a twin. 
Yeah. And there's not too many light skinned twins that was running around at that time, you know? So there was another sweat of twins that happened to look like us. Really? Yeah. Well, they happened to break and vandalize somebody's vehicle. Okay. They thought it was us. So my aunt beats the crap out of my brother. I'm talking about balls, fists, like just, just beating his face in. Beating his face. Yeah. I mean, blood is going all over. And the you're house. how old? This at how old? Are you I would say about eleven or twelve at this time. Because now this was after you know the few years, the couple years with my dad, a couple years with my aunt, and then state intervened. Boom, we're in Virginia now. So yeah. we're about eleven, twelve, getting beat by a grown woman. And of course, me being how old I was and how tiny I was, I'm just sitting there like, oh my god, what can I do to help my brother? Because he's he's screaming, you know, out of his mind, just yeah. screaming. So of course, there's nothing I can do. Um, he goes in the bathroom, tries to clean up. My uncle finally gets home. He really didn't know what was going on. He did not know what his wife, she would be like, oh, if you say something to your uncle, I'm going to beat you more and all this other stuff. Like, it, it, it was outrageous. So my uncle came home that day and saw the blood. And he snapped out on his wife and was like, yo, you cannot do that to these kids. And he started taking us to work with him, doing construction work. Ah, okay. At 11, 12, talking about, oh, well, if this is the life why I'm not at home, then no, I'm gonna bring you out of work with me. So he started us working. That's did, how we got into the construction trade. Did that did that mean um, no more school? We actually did went to school. We stayed going to school. It was 7.30 in the morning to about four o'clock in the afternoon. We'll go to school. We'll get home about 4.35. My uncle will pick us up and we'll go to work. Side work. Wow. There was one time I wow. remember we poured a 91 yard driveway. Okay. We, <laughs> oh stayed out. we stayed out till two o'clock in the morning, finishing up the forming, helping pour the concrete, helping do everything to finish this job and had to be back at school at seven o'clock the next day. Wow. The next day. Now, so it, it, it went, this went on for about eight years living with them. Okay. Well, I'll say a little bit less than eight years. My time is back then it's just crazy i can't remember i understand I, it was like a, all like a black hole almost we're gonna, we're, i know we're gonna i know we're gonna get into it a little bit more but yeah. i can understand i mean you're a, you're a teenager now mm -hmm. and you're going through puberty and you've had parental explosion really and rejection by family members and and you still have the motive and this 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 is the part that this is the part that i find fascinating it's like a lot of people will get to that point and they'd get home from school and be like, I'm not going, I'm not going to go work construction. They'd have a fit, whatever, you know, you, you, you we talk, you, you have kids, I have kids and, and we're both human beings. And we know that if a kid's not going to do something, you can try to make them, but it's not going to be good. Right. right. And um, that's the part that is amazing. Mm -hmm. You when we've gone through all this and yeah, you're like, I'm going to go to school and then I'll work with my uncle mm -hmm. after school doing construction it's like yeah it, it, it was definitely an experience and i took it as i took it as a uh, as a game to be honest with you as a plus even though i had to do a lot more than what children did around my age at that time i'm like i'm learning things these kids don't know and that's you know? that's pretty cool and that's where i'm like you saw that at an early age mm -hmm. and and that's uh that's a recognition that doesn't always happen yeah yeah i'll tell you that because uh Kids in school, they would laugh. They would actually think it's funny. Oh, you have to go work and we get to go do this, go to roller rink. We get to go that, to Bush Gardens. We get, and I'm just like, oh, well, okay. But if I wanted to, I can build whatever I want and make it look pretty. You know, and that was how my mindset was. I, I was into art. 
You know, okay. I liked working with my hands. So if it meant making a concrete driveway, we're making it exposed. So we're pouring acid on it to expose the rock underneath. I want to make it as beautiful as I can. So I could say 10 years from now, I did that. You know, and I drive by things now that I know that I've seen that I've done at 13 with my uncle. Oh, I poured that driveway. Oh, I helped do that no fireman's uh, front yard. Oh, I helped do this. Or, you know, so uh, a lot of that was a good experience. Like I loved it, but it still wasn't a home. I hear you. It still wasn't a home. And after all of it, like, I, I'm not going to lie. Even now at my age of 32, I still yearn for my mom. There's something that I feel like in myself. And I recognize that there's a hole that I'm missing, you know, with my mom. And I always thought that these women that were supposed to be my guardian, I try to replace them in my mind. Like, okay, maybe they can be my mom. Yeah. And then it's like, no, mothers is nurturing. And that's what I gained. That's what I learned. Mothers should be nurturing, not beating you. You're not supposed to be your mother's slave. You're not supposed to, you know, like it's given. Okay, yeah, I'm going to rub my mom if she was here. I'll give her a little foot massage if her, her foot hurt. But to do it every day as a, like it's a job that you're not getting paid for, that was a slap in my face, you know. And then, like I said, on top of the beatings, now life changed drastically when I hit about 15. How so? My sister. Okay. Which I haven't seen once since my mom passed away one of my sisters we get a phone call to my uncle and come to find out she was the one that was get to stay with my grandparents side of the family okay Remember the girls went yep. with the grand well come to find out grandpa that is not blood related that is married in is molesting all the girls oh no mm. so me you know being a brother of my sisters i'm like i want to go down there and beat the crap out of them. you know yeah. i want to do something but of course i can't i don't have the power so my uncle stepped in and he got custody of my sister. All right. He brought her down here from New York and we got to live with each other. We're thinking like, maybe this would change things. You know, maybe we'll get, stop getting beatings. Maybe, you know, cause my sister was two years older than us. And is your twin brother still with you at this time? Yes, my okay. twin brother, we, I made it to where we would stick to like, no matter what, we were still with each other while living at my aunt's house. We was like thick as thieves, yeah. you know? So when my sister moved in, we're like, yes, we got another, you know, soldier with us. That's how we're looking yeah. at it, you know? And of course she asked my aunt, like, why do you beat the twins? Like, why do you beat them like that? Oh, well, they look too much like their father and this, that, and the third. Well, why don't you beat me when I get in trouble? Oh, well, you look too much like your mother. Like, how does that justify the reason <laughs> of you yeah. doing what you're doing? It, it's wild. It is wild. It, it, it's wild. Like we couldn't understand what was going through her head. Then later on in life, I found out she won't allow to have kids. She couldn't have kids, physically couldn't have kids. I'm like, man, if that wasn't a sign from God that we should have never went with you. <laughs> you know? Or maybe well, that's this is the wild thing. It could have been that it was, right? Because right. I can relate to that when my wife and I weren't having kids. We right. wanted to help, right. but we wanted to help. And it's like there's a difference. Some, there's yeah. A, yeah, there's there's a bitterness. My, my my guess is that there's a bitterness, and that thing took root and resulted in. And basically anger. Yeah. And, and, and hurt. As I got older, that's what I told myself. You know, that's what I keep telling myself because that's what I believe. Maybe she was holding resentment towards her situation and bringing it out on us. Or maybe even God. Yeah. Maybe a lot of people blame. And they do. Because there's like, why, what's, why can't I physically do this? You made me. Why mm -hmm. can't I physically do this? I'm mad at you for not yep. allowing me to have children. And, and, and that could have been her issue. It could have been. And to be honest with you, I speak to her now and I'll get to, I'll get to that. Point. Oh, yeah, I will get to that. That's point. good. But that's cool. Yeah. So like with my sister, she moved in with us two years, 
the beating slow down a lot, you know. Um, so we're thinking like, okay, yeah, we're actually getting a kid's life, you know, a teenager's life. And then it all twisted. My um, aunt's niece, I guess my cousin through marriage, ends up getting pregnant at like 16. She comes home and just beats the crap out of my brother and I. Just beats the crap out of us. And I'm like, did I get her pregnant? Like, why are you beating me? I don't even see her. You yeah. know, like, did I get her? No, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. She just had anger that she couldn't take out on her. She took out on us. Okay. Well, the next day comes. My sister got home a little bit later than normal from school. My aunt asked her why. And, oh, my sister told her where I was talking to my friends. No, you need to bring your butt straight home. She ends up beating my sister. First time beat my sister. Beats her, beats the crap out of her. My sister runs away. She catches us at our bus stop. And I'm just looking. I'm like, who's that crazy girl running down the street looking at my brother like, what is that? Then come to find out, it's our sister. She's running, bleeding out of her face. And we end up going to her friend's house. They end up, her parents end up calling the police. And I was crazy because the police didn't believe us. Didn't believe us at all. And uh, I'll take you back to the time my brother was getting his face beaten, blood going everywhere. Yeah. Well, the blood got all over the bathroom. Instead of it being clean, my uncle remodeled the bathroom. Wow. Okay. Just did a full remodel. Had us clean the blood all over the bedroom. But there was one spot we didn't clean. And that was beside the bed. Okay. You know, so the police didn't believe us. All the broken broomsticks, broken stuff that they beat us with that had blood on it, we piled up behind a garage. We knew one day somebody would intervene. Somebody, that's what we did. We we tried to save as much evidence. You had hope. Exactly. You had hope that something would would happen. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Now, the greatest hope that I ever wondered or wished for was, you know, like, and people come, oh, you're really a prince. We're going to take you out of this. You know, like some yeah. Cinderella thing. No, nah, it wasn't that. It was the police. You know, so they come, they question us. We tell them, look, you don't believe us? Pull the bed out. You'll see the blood all, all beside the bed. Go behind the garage. You'll see all the broken broomsticks, the piles of stuff. Golly. You know, the piles of stuff that she would beat us with. There was even belts with metal knots. Oh, my You know, gosh. like the gothic belts. Yeah. yeah. She, she bought one of those just to beat us with. She didn't like those to wear. So it, it was just strictly to beat us with, which we stole later on and threw away, made it disappear. <laughs> smart. That's smart. Made it disappear. Now, so what, the police, what did they do? Oh, they um, they they searched. They looked through everything. They got in the house. And this was a Friday. It was a Friday. I want to say it was a March 14th on a Friday. And um, they they checked the house. They found the evidence. They put me and my brother, my sister, all in the car. And then they took us to social services. Social services was closed. So we had to wait on a social worker to come. And then we went to our first home together. Went to our first home together. And um, this was a different, it was real different um, because it was an actual family. You know, okay. it, it was an actual family. So we get there. She already has six kids. So That's you're, already you're there. seven, eight, and nine. Yeah. Yep. She already has six kids. It's already there. Were they foster kids or biological or both? Um, Three of them, excuse me, two of them were foster kids at the time. And the rest of them were her biological. Okay. They brought us in and uh, that was nine. And then later on, two of the other foster kids, older sister ended up getting in the system. So she took them as well. Okay. So she had total 10 kids in the house. Wow. How big was the house? Uh, it was actually huge. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it was a huge house. I mean, my brother and I, man, we felt like we was... 
we was in the good. We was in the good. You oh, know, like we had our own apartment to ourselves. You know, what I mean, at this time we're like 14 and 15. So we're like, yeah, they, they had a detached garage that had an apartment above it. You know, so they was like, yeah, that's y'all room. And we're like, oh, wow, <laughs> this is ours. You know, this is, yeah, let's have fun. Now, of course, you know, us being teenagers, us finally getting a little bit of freedom, us finally, you know, we don't have to worry about coming home and getting beat. They don't have the power to beat us. If they beat us, they'll get in trouble. Now, us knowing all this, now we want to act out. Yeah. Now, this is where, you know, where everything caught up to us, where us getting wanted to be in the streets, wanted to hang out with friends, wanted to do what normal kids would do, but we had a little bit more experience than normal kids. Yeah. You know, so we knew about drugs. We knew about we we knew about coke. We knew about all of this stuff, you know. Now, given we didn't try all of that, we did not try all of that. Now, um, one major thing, even after all the beatings that I got from my aunt, one major thing that I hate that she told me was I asked her one day, why do you smoke cigarettes? She looked at me, she said, it relieves my stress. Uh-huh. And every time I get mad, I smoke a cigarette and I feel much better. So as a kid, I'm like, okay, well, you stress me out by beating me every day. So I started stealing her cigarettes and started smoking cigarettes. You know, and this, at that time, we were still living with them before the police got involved. Um, I was in seventh grade, I think, when I started smoking cigarettes. Now, in fifth grade, I started smoking weed. You know, that's when we started actually dabbling was in fifth grade smoking. Yeah. That moved along when we got into foster care, the whole system. I looked at the foster lady and I said, look, I smoke cigarettes and I smoke weed and it keeps me calm. And that's what I told her, you know? Yeah. And it, 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 it was a little touchy subject for her. I can imagine. We're talking about like 19 what? Uh, what? It was. Are we talking about 2000s already? I want to say we because I was like 14, 15. So I would say about 2000s. Okay. Yeah, we're in the 2000s. All right. And so so we got the 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 major push to against t- cigarettes is is happening nationally. The cigarette companies are, you know, they're struggling. They're not struggling. They're still selling, but they're definitely not selling the way they were. And you have legalization of marijuana coming across the states by state by state at that time. So I'm here's what I'm trying to think of is like how she would have received that. Because when you say that, I'm like, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and so what was her response? Her response was, kids are going to do what they want to do. Okay. She said, look, just don't bring it in my house around the other kids. Okay. And don't get in trouble. And this is, so this is the foster mother. This is the foster mother. First. Oh, I thought this was, okay. Gotcha. No, this so I, foster- th- I thought this was the aunt, a, a, a representative from the organization that was placing you there. No. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, so this oh, is the home oh, mother this there. Is, this is the mother because I already told social services. I mean, what can they do? We are kids. We're going to get involved, whatever we want to do. I told, yeah. I told the state. I mean, they, there's nothing that they can do. What put us in re- rehab? And I mean, what is that going to do? We'll get back out. And we was trained to believe that smoking nicotine and smoking weed is going to relieve our stress. Yeah. You know, now, mind you, smoking cigarettes to me. No, it just made me sick at that time. Yeah. You know, so I kept trying, thinking like, oh, okay, maybe it'll change. Maybe it will. You know, maybe <laughs> I don't know. To the point, I mean, I, I was throwing up and I'm like, nope, I'm going to try it again because this is supposed to make me feel better about my life, you know? And, oh, man. And of course, now I know that. But that's how much you believe the authority figure that was, even though that authority figure was abusive, mm-hmm. physically and verbally abusive, yep. you still put trust in them. Yep. And I did. And, and I that's did. natural 
for a child. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what we're supposed, that's what kids are supposed to do. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, man. No, oh, no, you're good, man. You're good. Um, yeah, it, it, it was, it was definitely a thing, you know, and then as far as with the foster parents, my first one, you know, we're thinking that we're in a great spot and we were, we were in a wonderful spot, but as kids, we made wrong decisions. You know, we got to kept getting in trouble in school. We kept doing things. Now, when I say we kept getting in trouble, I'm going to own it because I'm a man and I choose my own choices. You know, I make my own decisions. So at the end of the day, yes, we may have not started the situations that got us in trouble. A lot of it was being protective. You know, like all we have is myself, my brother and my sister. And you're tired of seeing them get beat. Exactly. So therefore, I'm going to be the one that's outwardly, gonna... outwardly and overtly protective exactly so if anything i remember there was one kid i mean he was in 12th grade i was in eighth grade and he told my sister he was gonna slit her throat i beat i beat him i, I mean i beat and he's 18 and i'm in you know what i mean yeah. in middle school and they're laughing oh what a, like no this like you don't understand this is the only family i got yeah you know what i mean so that was a lot of our trouble we got into is just protecting each each other you know, like she would do, do stu make stupid decisions with her boyfriends and then we got to go beat up her boyfriends or somebody will dislike us because we're twins and their girls want to holler at us. We don't know that they got a boyfriend. We're just being a teenager yeah. and now we're in a fight. And then, of course, we being twins, it makes it like a higher. How can I say um, they look at you more people, the school, the everything, especially when you get in trouble as twins. Oh, we're the twins and the school knows all the twins. So those twins. Yeah, those twins. those twins. It got to the point where people, the schools made up names for us, like Kikatan Assassins, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it was crazy. Like, and that's not the life that we wanted. All we wanted to do was protect what was ours. Yeah. You know, what was us and our family. And that's it. You know, so of course, going through school, going through all of that, then we get into too much trouble. And of course, the forced parent feels like we can't handle this kid. We got to give him up. Both of you, you and your brother and your sister and my sister. Yep. So, of course, my sister, I think she went first. She was the first one to go. She ended up getting pregnant and all this other stuff. So mm -hmm. they kicked her out, put her in a different home. Then they try to separate my brother and I. That wasn't happening. That wasn't happening. I, I, I ripped the mailbox out of the ground and I slung it across the street and I said no, because they try to trick us into saying, oh, yeah, this is where y'all going to live. OK, y'all mean us, too. Yeah. So when we're about to get out the van, oh no, you stay in the van. He's the only one going here. Oh no, you're not about to separate me and my brother. <laughs> That's not happening. My brother just broke down crying. He didn't know what to do. He just sat down crying. So I said, I will destroy every mailbox. Golly, man. I will destroy every mailbox on this block if you try to take my brother away from me. And I dare you to put your hands on me because now I'm fighting you. You know, so I that's how strong I felt. And of course, they ended up finding a group boys home. Group boys home. So it was, oh, wow, it was at least 15 boys on one side. And on the other side, it was about 10 girls. So it was a split up home. Okay. But girls on one side, boys on the other. And this is where we met our first gang member. All right. So I want to ask you, before we get on that one, I want to ask you this. Um, so you're smoking cigarettes and cannabis mm -hmm. and the cigarettes not working so much on calming you down. What about the cannabis? I mean, it sounds like it was, it, it, you, you had a lot going on. How do you think that that actually helped you or maybe hurt you? I don't know. All right. I'm going to say it helped me more than it hurt me. Okay. Because with the situations that I went, I was an angry child. 
I was angry. I'm gonna be honest. I was angry. Yeah, no. Right? I, I mean, I, I, all I had was getting beat. All I had was the memory of my mom passing. The last memory I have of my father is him getting choked out by the cops and we getting snatched away from him. You know what I mean? So with all of that, I was angry. So each time that I smoked, it just felt like now when I was younger, I didn't understand how much to smoke. Yeah. So I would smoke, you know, a whole blunt or a whole joint or whatever. And and I, I'm over you basically. Yeah. yeah. And you like know, oh, being good was overdone. Yeah, it was overdone. It so was not in steps. It was this is if you do it, you do it like this. It's mm-hmm. just you're 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 ripped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and that, and that's how I thought, you know, that that's how it would work for me. And I'm not gonna lie, I, I smoked during school. I smoke, I would skip classes, smoke, come back to class. I, I mean, to the point where I if I felt like I wanted to snap out, I would go smoke before I snapped out. So you did literally follow the model of your aunt who did that. Exactly. And that was what that was the, the two crutches that you chose to rely on. Mm-hmm. So of those crutches, that's what I I want to, because you know, we're conversation cannabis and Christianity. Right. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, so I got to ask you, so let, let's, let's keep going on with, with the, with how the cannabis affected you. Okay. That's just a teenager. I didn't, I hadn't, I didn't smoke until I was 18 and I was already out of, out of school, you know, out of high school. Right. right. So here you are a teenager yeah. and Yep. All right. It, it, it was it was crazy. But like I said, I, um, I would smoke till I was done. Like, just wow. And then I learned throughout time, I would say about 17. I'm like, no, all I need is just a couple of hits, put it down. Now I know I can still work function without going to sleep. I can take in more at school. I can do whatever I need to do and still have this clear mind, but still being calm. You know, now that me. at 17, there are adults who, who still don't grasp yeah, that. Yeah. There are adults that yeah. still don't grasp that. Oh, it, w- it was too funny because I'm going to get to it, but it was too funny because when I, when, by the time I was 17, I already had my own apartment. I already had my own place. Everything. My brother and I was living with each other. So we would, people think we're 16 now with our own place. People thought we were like 25, 26 because the way that we lived our lives, yeah. you know, we would smoke, we would enjoy life. We'll still go to work. We'll come back, pay our bills, do whatever we needed to do. And they're like 23 and this is their first time smoking. So to us, that is funny. Were you guys still going to school at that age? All right. Now how, how it worked out was when we got to so many different families by getting kicked out of each one and different things. Now, mind you, each family, we didn't get kicked out of getting in trouble. There was one family, uh, one guy, I'm not going to state his name, but uh, he tried to molest my brother and I. Mm. And of course, us being, we were playing football at that time. We got bigger than when we was when we was- You're maturing deep. into manhood. Exactly. So you can fight back now. And defend, exactly. So so we we made it to where, no, dude, you're not going to touch us. So he tried to call you know, social services, make a lie, but we told the truth. And he was even trying to get us drunk. So that was one. So, but I, either or, by the end of it all, Golly, man. Yeah. I, I'm just like, wow. Oh, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Because I'm just like, it comes out of you. I mean, you've, you've lived it mm-hmm. and you've already processed it and, and you're working it and, and you're. Yeah. And, and, and it's wild. But because, hearing it, it's like, wow, trying to imagine that as your daily life. And it didn't stop there, though, you know, because that was just one family. And like I said, I wasn't trying to pick into each one, but there were also another family where there was a sheriff. He was a sheriff in North Carolina. And he tried to molest my brother. 
You see, so it's any you you never know. Like it, that was another fan. Yep, and, and, and completely that, understand. So you know, it, it's different situation, but you never know what you come around. And this is why I tell people, especially when it's coming to their kids, pay attention, listen to what they say, because at the end of the day, the kids will always speak up. They they may feel scared, but there's something in them you should know, especially when it's your own kid, even when it's not your own kid. It's a kid. You should feel some type of vibe that something is going on. You know, so. With that being said, we 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 moved on to different families, moved on. So finally, it was at a point where nobody would take two 16-year-old twins. It was it was there, like, no, nobody can take y'all. So let's offer you a program where you move out on your own, and we're going to call this program independent living, where you get your own apartment. We pay half the bills. You got to pay the other half. All right. So my brother and I look at each other. Well, how can we, how can we do it? We still got to go to school. We still got to do this. We still. So we're like, okay, cool. I finally, I go to school. We're still going to school. And then we get into a situation where I get kicked out of school. And I'm not going to lie. Um, like I said, I met my first gang member in one of these houses. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so all right. So, you were back at, so I, I, I put us on a little digression there. Yeah, I want to get an idea. Yeah. So, we're back at that. We're back at the boys' home. Half the home is for boys, and the other half is for girls. Yes. Yeah. And we get there, and we, of course, we're nervous. You know, because most of these people are like older than us, you know, like they're they're almost hitting 18 and 21. And we're just like, you know, so even after 18. All right. Yeah. It's it's like this. Um, As long as you're going to school uh, up to 21, if I'm not mistaken, uh, up to 21, you can still be in foster care. Okay. And you could still be. So they'll, they'll, they, they provide something for somebody if you need somewhere to stay. Exactly. As long as you're still in school. Okay. Now, if you're not still in school at 18, <clears throat> social services can cut you loose. Okay. And you're on your own. All right. Well, excuse me. There was this one guy. He was part of a gang. And he taught us the ropes on, you know, how to sneak in and out the house. And there's always one way to sneak out the house, you know. So he taught us the way. And, <clears throat> of course, we got into a little bit of trouble and you know, join gangs, you know, we're, we're thinking, well, our families don't want us. The closest thing to family is going to be our homeboys. So this is who we are with every day. Let's join a gang. Might as well. So we join a gang and we do a lot of stupid things, um, you know, thinking that this is the way that we're supposed to survive. The only way we can survive to make money to do these things, you know, yeah. we're out here by ourselves. So the only way to make money is to steal, you know, rob, cheat, whatever, just to get by. And of course, we got caught sneaking out that house, you know, and of course, we got kicked out of that house. Okay. And that's where we went into moving on. Now, so you did use the independent living program that they offered? Yes, we did. We did. And it actually, it, for the first couple of years, it was wonderful. I mean, it, it, it was awesome, you know, but then it's like, we're kids, we trying to find a job that makes that pays real money, you know, yeah. nobody want to hire a 16 year old, you can tell them you're emancipated all you want, they don't care. You know, because at the end of the day, their insurance don't cover people until they're 21 or 23 or, you know, okay. real jobs. So all you're working is fast food jobs. Yeah. But you got bills to pay. Okay. You know, you got food to put on the table. So it made it hard. So, of course, you go into selling drugs. You go into, you know, back to stealing. You're going back to doing everything that you want to get away from, but you can't because this is the only way to put food on the plate, you know, and, and that's what we did. Then... And your brother, so is it you and your brother and your your sister? What, tell me again where your sister went because she was pregnant. My sister actually, she went to, she finally found a good home. 
Excellent. When she got pregnant and she was kicked out of our first home, she actually moved in with a pastor and his wife. And her life, it was wonderful. Amen. And I'm happy for her. You know, Amen. Like, uh, she moved in with this pastor and his wife, and they raised her as if she was one of theirs, you know. And Didn't they have they kids still already? Keep oh, yeah. They had their own kids. Um, they, I think one one was playing football in college. Uh, that was the oldest son. They had a, a, a daughter around my sister's age. I mean, they welcomed her, the baby, with open arms. Oh, man, that's, you, you know, know that so, is so relieving to hear. Yeah, it's wonderful. And, and like I said, they still speak to each other to this day. He, she calls her mom, which it hurt me a little bit when I first heard her calling her mom. I'm like, that's not your mom, <laughs> you know, but and as I got older, I'm like, well, she did take the role of mom. So, yeah. you know, and she's holding you down. So at the end of the day, that's mom to you. That's mom to me. So we'll that's call cool. her mom, you know, and then, of course, you know, on the other end of things, you have my brother and I, you know, so we're, we're in this apartment trying to make things, trying to make ends meet, trying to do things, you know? And then of course you meet an older girl. You met an older girl. Okay. All right. <laughs> my wife is a little, my wife is a little, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my wife is a little bit older than me, but I meant like, I get, you were using the editorial and I was just playing around with right, it. That's right, right. So, so yeah. So, and then I'm like, I think I'm like 17 at this time. Okay. I meet this girl that's like 19, 20 years old. Okay. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is a power move. She looks good. She's got a car, you know, all this stuff going for her. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe. No, no, horrible decision, horrible decision. Come to find out she, her mind was on a whole different path, you know, and of course, you being a young man, you're thinking, oh, yeah, this is it. This is it. <laughs> this, I'm in love. And, uh, you know, I made my own mistakes. I, I did cheat on her. I'm not going to lie. You know, and she she did the same to me, but her life was leading somewhere else. And it it got us into a lot of the trouble together. And I still didn't learn. I stayed with her till I was about 25 and trying to make things work. You know, she had her own two kids. Uh, we ended up having two kids together. One of her children ended up dying of uh, cancer. Oh, my God. While we was together, she died oh. at three years old. Oh, uh, my no, gosh. I and I, bas I basically raised her as my own from one to three. So she was basically my daughter. And then her second daughter, uh, that was Chloe, um, she was still in the stomach. So when she gave birth to her, I was daddy to Chloe, you know, all day long, I was daddy to Chloe. But of course, we had our ups and downs. We ended up splitting things there, you know, so and I still at this point didn't grow up. <laughs> oh, man. So here's the thing. When you say that. It's understandable. Mm -hmm. It's like. I didn't grow up in the foster care system. And I didn't grow up until, <laughs> and that's where I'm like, wow. So, so when, when you say you didn't grow up, I, I, I don't hear it that way. I think you did actually grow up. I think you were modeling behavior that a lot of adults can't even handle sometimes. And you were paying your own bills at your age of 16. I would say you were growing up. My thought, this is what, this is the only reason why I'm saying is because you were, you were doing it, man. You're doing it. And this is the, this is. This is an, an unintended consequence of being in the system is that the model of parenthood, the parenting model, mm -hmm. when it's when you're the model that you had coming up, how do you reconcile that with change? Like, like you've already said, I went back to doing those things that I was doing with my dad. Mm -hmm. You did you went back to what was modeled for you. And here you are, you've got children of your own you got a girlfriend and how do you be a dad? How do you be a husband? The models for those roles. That's what I'm getting at. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? So, so when I hear that, I'm saying, I'm thinking 
you actually made the right decisions. You, you, you took the responsibility and you said, I'm going to, I got to work. I got to go to school. We got to do this. I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. That in itself is a step that a lot of people struggle with. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not judging, I'm not judging anything like how long people take anything like that. But I'm saying you're doing that at a very early age with a lot of traumatic experience. So that's why I say, you know what, you, you really did grow up. You grew up a lot faster than you should have. My thought is that it was the model of, of what an adult is supposed to look like mm -hmm. an adult that can handle a home. And, and, and I don't mean when I say handle a home, it's like, you're responsible enough to care. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. You're right. responsible enough to know that you have responsibilities and you need to carry them out. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm getting at. Right. So I think you did grow up, man. I think you just, like a lot of people, you know, the model of what we're to become, like somebody that we can look to and say, you know what? I know I'm not that person, but this attribute about them, I really respect. And I want that attribute too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's something that I learned later on in life. Like I said, the reason why I felt like I still didn't grow up is because I was still making poor decisions. I was still, I'm not going to lie, I was falling into lust, you know, like it. And it was crazy because I had a psychiatrist tell me when I first got into foster care, you're going to lash out on women. He said, it may not be physical. He said, it could be verbally, mentally, emotionally. He said, because the way that your mom left, the way you got beat was basically by all women, the way you got used. And I told him, nah, you're, you're FOS, you're full, you know, yeah. full of it. And he's like, nah, 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 no, look, it may not, it, it may come out a little bit later. He's like, so just watch it. And I'm, and I'm young and I'm like, nah, you're full of it. So about six months ago, well, I'll say about a year ago, I thought to myself about all the things that I did to women. And I'm not gonna lie, I lie, cheated, you know what I mean? Did everything but steal from them, you know? So, and I thought to myself, wow, I may not have beat them, but I still hurt them, you know, emotionally. Yeah. And I learned, I was like, man, that's not the man I want to be. Yeah. You know, I have two girls. I want them to find, I want to be the example of who they should find, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because they always say, oh, girls go you, for people like their dad. Oh, man. See, this is, you're the model. You wanted to be the proper model, a proper foundational model for your kids. Exactly. And that's what broke me. A lot of people, and it's crazy because a lot of people out here, like they, they got fake love for their kids. That's what I call it. Fake love, especially these fathers that don't want to be around them and oh, flat throw money. No, it's not about money. It's about time. And I will spend every minute with my kids every minute. You see what I'm saying? So to me, that's a slap in, in my face when I see people do things that I don't know, it's fake love to me, you know? So when I finally felt like I grow up or grew up is when I found out that my true problem, you know, my true problem. Yes. I was lashing out, you know, on these women, I was doing stupid things. I was doing all this stuff and little by little, it'll catch up to me and then it'll turn around and boom. Now I got broken hearted, you know? So I'm like, all right, everything else I'm doing right in my life, but that, so when you when, now when you say lashing out, I'm like thinking, you know, everything starts like it always takes two people to fight. Right. But it's like it comes it comes in subtly, like a fight between two people that are in love. It's like it comes on subtly. You just start taking little jabs at each other and then those jabs get bigger and, and bigger. thornier and thornier. Yeah. And 
See, it, it's, a, it's it, it becomes something you get used to. So the fact that you recognize that is, yeah. is, uh, is cool because you're how old at this point, roughly? At that time, I was about 26. Okay. 27. So, yep. That's when I finally, like, just put two and two together. But when I finally figured out what my true problem was, it was about a year ago. Okay. It was about a year ago when I like wholeheartedly and I was like, yeah, that, that is my issue, you know? And I, because I was doing everything else wonderful. I'm like, uh, I'm a great, you know, uh, man. I, I, I try to pay all my bills. I go to work every day. People love me at work. People do it. But where am I messing up in my life to work? And it's because I kept making the same decisions as far as that I would fall in the love. In the relationship. Yeah, in, yeah. in my relationship part. And I felt like I still wasn't happy. You know, and then it just hit me. And, and ever since then, I feel so happy. Like, I feel like I feel like I'm getting more of the blessings that I should get because I was black. Like, I did everything right. I grew up as a I think I grew up as, you know, a better man from what I used to to what I'm doing now. I'm working for everything. Everything I got now, I work for, you know. So to me, I felt like the only other thing I needed to change was that part of me. Yeah. You know, and then once I changed that part of me, it just felt like everything just opened up like a light just shined on me. And I felt like this is my year now. This is from here on out. This is my year. Like a yin Amen. and a yang. Yeah. Like you, a yin and a yang. You, you in your life now, I, I there's like a it's like a shift or a break where you just kind of go. You 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 recognize that you have uncovered something has been revealed to you about how you've been living your life. And how it's almost like wearing blinders, right? Mm-hmm. You get used to wearing blinders. And then you take the blinders off, but your eye, it's your eyes can see everything, but they're still trained to go forward, to be conditioned to look in that direction. Mm-hmm. And when you can see all this stuff, you also try to make sense out of it, right? Yep. Yep. And it made sense. It made sense. And it, it, it happened at like one o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to lie. I smoked a little bit and I was in my thoughts and I'm like, it, 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 it was just crazy. And I'm just like, wow. This is it. This is what I need to change this part of me. And I feel like my life will be better. And, and it has like nothing but opportunity work my job. Oh, my God. My job loves me. Amen. And I make all the clients happy in some way. You know, I'm human. Yes, I make mistakes, but I will own that mistake and I'm going to fix that mistake. You know, so at the end of the day, and that was my major problem. I would try to deceive people. No, at the end of the day, no, we're grown. I would rather tell you the truth. Look, if I messed up, boom, I didn't maybe, but I'm going to make it better. You know, so and that has brought me like it brought me further in life, just being honest with myself. You know, you can be you can be honest with everybody as much as you want, but if you still lie to yourself, that is the problem. That is the problem. And like it to me, it's just crazy. You know, like a lot of people feel like um they get their standpoint from what they've been through, which of course, yes, you do, but it can be changed. Life can be changed with your decision. You know, sometimes I just wish I had me to mentor my younger self because a lot of this stuff that I'm learning now, I would have learned then, you know, and that's why I tell young people around me, I teach them. I'm like, look, man, there's certain, don't do that. And I would try to tell people, look, this is the way to do it. You can take my advice or not, but I've been there. You know, I've done that. I wish I had somebody to tell me that, you know, not saying that I would have listened because maybe I wouldn't be who I am today. You know, but who knows? But, but if I, you and and but the opportunity, mm-hmm. just the opportunity itself. Yep. As long as it's there for somebody to take, it's there for somebody to take. Exactly. So I want to ask you this because there's two things I want. There's one thing I want, but real, not real quickly. But I want to ask you this: 
do you do anything for foster parents or foster kids now? Okay. As I mean, a, here you are. I mean, you, you, you have come out, you, you are, you're, you're here. You are right now. Mm-hmm. You're not in prison. You have a career. You're functioning. And you know that there's a great need over there. Yes, that I do. Now, previously, yes, I've done for foster parents. What we'll do is my brother and I was invited to different uh, ceremonies where there's about to be a foster parent, like new foster parents, incoming yeah. foster parents. And we would talk to them. We'll tell them, you know, from our point of view, the major thing to any person that's an upcoming foster parent, the major thing is treat them like your own kids. That, 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 and that's what I te- tell them. That is number one. As a foster kid, what we miss is that whole, that that motherly love, that fatherly love. That's what they're there to, you know, fill in. The unconditional love. Yeah. Because, because and, and this is where I can relate to that, because my parents did have one. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he started having problems, it was too much for, for them to handle. Exactly. And, but when I gave them a lot of problems... I was still in the family. See, and that was going to be my question to you. Would your parents have given you? No, you they see? would not have. And, and that's the same love that I had. No matter what the child does, no matter what he does, you can't just give up on them because that's what they're used to. You know, so once they keep seeing that continuously going, oh, well, they don't care. They just gave up on me. That Then they just, it makes it harder for them to make the right decision for themselves. You I know? think a rejection at any age, it never feels good. But at an earlier age, it hurts the most because it, it's you're trying to figure out who you are and you're fig- you are being it feels like you're being rejected wholesale, like your whole being, who you are as an individual is rejected. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, I'm a Christian and and there's a lot of scripture that points to you can see these these characters rejection samson's one that i that i'm like i can't believe he still wanted to fight for his country right they were just like look the philistines say they'll leave us alone if we turn you in mm-hmm. so we're turning you in mm-hmm. and he would let him yeah. and he let him and it's just then he would turn around and and fight for him mm-hmm. when they were being attacked by the philistines yep. and then but you know what else he had a problem with he had a problem with lust also as well mm-hmm. and that's what i'm saying is that in the scripture those two things are tied together rejection and lust mm-hmm. are tied together Re- People say, oh, somebody's got a love problem. They just, you know, they can't be fake or whatever. And it's like, no, it's not a love problem. It's a, it's a lust rejection problem. Mm-hmm. And those two problems are different. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty amazing. So do you talk to parents and do you talk to kids? All right. Yeah. So, yeah, we did for a while do the whole foster care system, you know, the whole uh, talking to them. As far as kids, we don't go to programs, but I try to touch as many that I go past. I hear you. Now, what I'm looking into doing in the future with, because I finally, I have the right partner now. Her and I have been together for about six years now. Amen. And uh, I feel like this is it. This is where we're going to be. This is my home. You know, so this is where I feel mostly at home. This is my home. And I'm wow. not giving up. I'm not falling into lust. I'm. This is where I'm at. So what I want to do, which her and I already spoke about, I want to start saving money and funneling money into a program to build a home and not just, oh, it's a halfway home like these other homes got. No, I want to make as many kids feel like they're at home as possible, you know, giving them structure, giving them things to do, giving them work because people believe, oh, well, I 
can't ask them. I can't ask my kid to do this. All he want to do is stay behind the games and all he want to do this, this, and th- they will never learn anything if you don't put your foot down. Okay. Yeah. And a kid knows later on in life, he may hate you now, but later on in life, dang, I'm so happy they forced me to do that because now I, look what I know how to do. You know, like I literally know how to fix cars, fix homes. I can, I can cook. I literally can do it all. And it's, you all can, self-talk. you can manage a home. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you managing know, a home in itself. And if this is something we need to bring back home ec classes. And I agree, we need, man. We need to bring back you. money management classes. We need, we need so well, much. I don't think public schools are even touch on money management. Exactly. <laughs> they and, don't. And, and that's, and this is why I want to open up my home. Amen. Okay. All right. Because that's, we got, we got to talk later. Cause my wife, my wife, uh, she's got a, a vision for building section for, for section eight homes. Mm-hmm. because there's a need and with all this covid crap i mean it's crazy but a lot of people are being pushed into poverty and, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of people are going to need help so maybe we'll we'll, we'll chat afterwards yeah. yeah okay now next thing i want to talk to you about is or ask you about is i've heard you say blessings i've heard you uh, use words that that relate to a faith of some type of spirituality something more than the material mm-hmm. Do you believe in God or what, what, what do you believe about? Do you, do you, do you uh, follow a religion? Do you believe in a religion, philosophy? I will say that I have belief that there is truth in every religion, but I don't believe in a specific religion. Okay. Beings that I was with so many different families. Yeah. You know, they all got different religions. Okay. You know, it makes it hard for you to pick which one. There's so many different religions. Yeah. So as I got older, I started teaching myself. I mean, the best way for you to answer your own question is to look for the answers. You know, so I start looking into all Greek mythology. I start looking into Christianity, Catholic. Or I start looking in the back. I start looking into everything. Yes, they have a lot of difference but they also have a lot that's similar, you know, a lot of things that, and it's to me, that's where the truth lies, where everything is the same in each one. That's where it's at, where everything else is just to push that group towards their little section. You know, I feel like we're all entangled. We're all touched. We all have a light. And I do believe that there is a supreme being. I do believe it, you know? So when I say blessings, it's just blessings, like, like vibrational, like, like, Life will bring it to you if you fully, wholeheartedly believe that you deserve it. You know, whatever it is, you can pray to God. You can pray to whoever you believe in, but just believe in yourself first. That's, that's how I'm going to put it, because we all live in our own little world. We all got our own worlds. Our world impacted together. Our worlds collided yeah. when I came to your house. Yeah. Okay. So that's how our worlds got mixed up and intertwined. But you're the God of your own world, Right. This is your house. I don't think of myself as a guy. I'm not going to say you're God, <laughs> but but you're okay. the king. Okay, you're of saying, your own. So basically, house. I'm I'm responsible for what me. you bring in. Exactly. Right. Okay. What you bring in. So and the the adjective king, prince, whatever yeah, is just what it is. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a guy. There is there's only one. And you know, you're, yeah, exactly. So that's exactly why because there's there's some there's some denominations, Christian denominations that are like we are mini gods, no. and that's and that's one thing that I'm like I don't think I'm a mini god. No, I'm not saying <laughs> oh pray to yourself and you're you know yeah you're, that's no. not, but what I'm saying is have a, have more belief in yourself. Because a lot of people don't believe in themselves. They doubt themselves. And that's where they block their own blessings. There's a lot of things. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. Are you talking about, like, in terms of abilities, 
and just being able to do something or what, what kind of belief in yourself are you? What I'm meaning, like whatever you want to bring for yourself. If you feel like you're poor, don't keep thinking poor. Think rich. That's what I'm talking Okay. Think That's rich. exactly. So you're actually talking about changing the way, changing the way you think, changing your mind. Exactly. So I was, I'm just going to bring this up real quick. In the New Testament, it's written in Greek. And the, in the, and here's one thing that's interesting. I think a lot of people get mixed up about Christianity when they say you got to repent for your sin. A lot of people think that means you say, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it fixes everything. Exactly. No, but if you commit that same sin tomorrow, you're not sorry. But so now here's the thing, though. The word repent in Greek is metanoia, which mm-hmm. means to change your mind. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean to say you're sorry. Mm-hmm. And when they say repent, they're saying change your mind about God. Mm-hmm. change your like the old testament to the, the old covenant to the new covenant is it's no longer performance based you like all the rituals all the the big 10 it's it's proven that nobody can meet that standard mm-hmm. everybody fails oh, yeah. everybody fails but now the new covenant christ he's saying change your mind now because mm-hmm. the law and the prophets have been talking about me coming this whole time now so that way you can be free from this performance mm-hmm. because nobody gets in mm-hmm. so that is the metanoia, the changing of your mind. That part, I just want to bring up real quick, man, because I think we're going to get back to it <laughs> later on. Yeah. Okay. So um, keep going, my friend. Um, I don't even know. Where I don't even know where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. Right, so it's right. Right. you were changing your mind about, um, oh yeah, we were talking about uh, believing in yourself. Yes. You were talking about believing in yourself and changing. So basically we're talking about changing your mind about yourself yeah and and, and that will fix a lot of your problems because a lot of people got internal beef with themselves and they really don't understand like first you gotta find your problem fix your problem change the way that you think maybe hopefully and like i said don't pray to yourself i'm not saying pray to yourself but we spend more time talking to ourselves than we do anybody else absolutely so talk to yourself nicely you know, be yeah. kind to yourself, be nice to yourself, and then maybe things will change in your own environment. And this is where I was getting at with the change of mindset. The other day, when I came back to your house, yeah, I was tired. I didn't want to come back. I knew you were frustrated because okay. I was like, there's an administrative error there. Well, and I was well, like, trying okay, to get sorted out. That kind of frustrated me as well. But I had an opportunity and my opportunity was I have to go to a different job. But I can't. I could make time because the shop's only thirteen minutes away from this house. I was like, "But something's telling me to go back to this man's house." No kidding. I was like, "Nah, I could push it off. I can put another <laughs> work on. I pull up to the shop." And this is not a lie. You can like they, you can ask the secretary because I walked in the secretary's office and told her this. I got out of my truck, and a butterfly landed on my nose. <laughs> Seriously, this is no lie. This is no lie. Butterfly landed on my nose. I said, oh, man, <laughs> you're telling me to go back to this man's house. I said, OK, all right. I'm gonna, I grab these shingles. I'm like, yep, the shingles there. All right, I'm going back to this man's house. I said, something is telling me that I need to be at this man's house. So I'm going to go to this man's house. And I did. And look what all came. Now we're actually sitting. Yeah. If I never came back, we would have never gotten to this. We never had that conversation at, out all, at, at your at car, all. Yeah. So I've just felt, and, and that was me believing. I was like, you know what? Maybe this is the change. Maybe this is something. Maybe the, I don't know. Maybe what this it is part of it. Yeah. And I didn't know. It's an opportunity. It, exactly. And I didn't know what it was, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to own this. I don't know what mistakes were made at the shop, but I'm going to make these people happy 
And that was my main goal. And I said, in return, I feel like something great is going to come out of it. So when you asked me about fixing the little pieces of siding, you know, for a little bit of extra change, that what you thought when I was just like, no, that was an actual like, that's what it was. I'm gaining extra money. And then boom. Then when we sat and had that conversation, I was like, that's not what it was about. It was about this. It was about us talking about us. It was getting to that point. Our that, story coming yep. out, what we speaking about right now, you know, and and this is the little windows that I was talking about, the little doors that I was talking about before that opens up to, you know, yep. like this all my life. I wanted to tell my story. I didn't know how I don't know about all this you know, technical talking through mic computers and well, I'm pretty basic, you know, man. I got a laptop and a mic <laughs> and some old headphones from the nineties. No, but it works though. But it works though. You it see? does. And, and, and I felt like life put us to where I could tell my story to where it could possibly reach the right person. Because in this world, we need a lot of people helping our kids and not just that, Oh, let's stick them in this house and hope for the best. No. Cause that's what was done to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're going to put this in, put this in, in this, put them in this apartment and hope for the best. We'll teach them a couple of things and maybe they can go off from there. I just happened to make the right decision. My brother happened to make the right decision. And this is why we are where we are right now. We didn't want to struggle. We didn't want our kids to struggle. You know, we want to see our, kids grow up we we don't want to be that missing father figure or that missing mother or whatever if i have to be both i will be both you know but at the end of the day we want it better for ourselves and our kids and that's what we clung on to you know and a lot of people they don't see that in kids like look kids are kids let them be kids and at the time pull them to the side and still teach them something yeah. you know even if it's just five seconds don't let don't let them wander into the don't let watch them go into the wrong direction and say well whatever makes you happy exactly exactly like and one of the main things even with the things that i've been through that stuck in my head with my uncle was the fact that he said whenever you work on somebody's house you work on it as if it was your own house those are the simple things that stuck with me so it could be simple as a statement to your child and they will remember that later on in life you know, this is something that I held on to, Yeah. you know, or my mother asking me to never lay my hands on a woman, you know, before or her dying breath. So those things that I hold on to, I feel like a man should never touch a woman, you know, given you, you get into certain situations, you get in your own. Oh, yeah, you, get, you fight. Yeah, you, you fight. Get You're going to fight. Yeah. You're going to fight. You know, it's going to happen. Drunken acts. But at the end of the day, if it's, oh, that's when it hurts the most, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, boy. Yeah. No one knows how to hurt you more than. You're the one you love. Oh my! And God. we do it to each other. We yeah, do like look, we do it. It go to hand each in other. hand. It yeah. go hand in hand. Like I said, Case I'm not two. an angel. I'm not an angel, you know. But I, I want people to know that you can have a bad life and turn it good, you know. Like, and I feel like how state stating the yin and the yang. There's always darkness in the light. There's always light in the darkness. So no matter what situation you're going through, it will end, but it will start over. You know, there's always light in darkness. There's always darkness in light. So I feel like half my life was in the darkness. Now I feel like the rest of my life is going to be in the light. Amen. You know, so, and, and that's how I believe it. And that's what I feel, you know? So now the rest of my life, oh, it's going to go perfect. And I will be able to teach other kids, reach out to other kids, even teenagers, because believe it or not, those who need it the most, they're confused. They don't know what they want. There's so many options in life that the media is giving these kids. It's outrageous. Yeah. It's outrageous. No, just teach them to be a good person. That's the best thing you can do. Teach them to be a girl. Don't be angry all the time. Teach them. You might be angry at this point, but 10 minutes from now, is it still going to affect your life? I read something not too long ago. It said, okay, let's say you got a million dollars. Okay. 
let's say somebody stole $100,000 from you. All right. And the only way for you to find out that person who stole it, that $100,000 from you, you got to spend the rest of your money to find out who stole it. <laughs> Are you going to spend the rest of your money? No. That's just 100000 to your million or whatever. So at the end of the day, you got 24 hours in a day. Yeah. If a person makes you mad five minutes of that day, you're going to spend the rest of your day stuck on that person? No, they own you now. No, no, don't do that. And let it go. Let it go. I mean, I had situations where I should have been shot dead, dude, you know, at the end of the day, but I walked the other way because at the end of the day, it ain't affecting me right now. You know, at the, it, it's not going to change this. You know what, sir, have a good one. You know, and this is why I always tell people, look for the best in every situation. It might be horrible. I was homeless. Yeah, I, was I say, lived on the streets. You, you, you've, you've, you can comb through some stuff. Yes, you, your life experiences have taught you that even in the darkest of places, you will always be found. You find the light. The light is there, or it will find you. I had men. I, I, there was one woman. Her name was Marion, and uh, man, I, I was going through it. I was living on the streets. I didn't know what. I mean, it was raining. It, this, it was a horrible week for me. I didn't have nowhere to go, nowhere to turn. I moved to New York my family, you know, they was their family. They, they got their own issues, you know? So I moved to New York, running the streets in New York. She reached out to me. She was like, Hey, look, I, I ain't got much, but I got a couch. So I came back to VA. Thank you so much. Within a couple of months, had a job, had an apartment, had everything, you know? Yeah. So it's, Oh, people need to be that helping hand sometimes, yeah. you know, no matter what it is to anybody be a helping hand, it'll come back to you tenfold. You know, it might not be tomorrow, might not be in two years, 10 years, but it's going to come back one day and you're going to feel good about it. Amen. You're going to feel good about it. And like I said, a, a lot that changed me towards the better was putting myself into situ surrounding myself with better people. And I'm not going to say just better people, people that want to do better for themselves. People that are have changed their mind exactly. about their path in life. Exactly. So. so I get what you're saying when you, cause I heard the hesitation. You said, well, not better people, but, and that speaks to me in itself, what you're saying, what you, what, here's what I think you said, well, better people well, not better, but people who are on a, on a, on a path towards getting out of that. Mm -hmm. And that even as small as it is, you're saying, I'm not trying to devalue them because mm -hmm. they're not on the same path as me exactly they still have value mm -hmm. and that little that little that little correction that you made on yourself of like oh no well they're not better they're still loved mm -hmm. there's still value in them exactly now i heard you say that uh, when we were talking about the religions that you research and everything and uh i agree they all want to produce people that are that are good citizens right mm -hmm. they all want to produce people that are good citizens there's one thing that is different about christianity so i want to ask you this question do you believe in in a life after this physical life i do and the reason why i say i do is because i feel like we're all energy we're spiritual we're electrical we're so whatever our matter is just like this so let's say no, let's not say this. Let's say that tree burns down. Okay. Okay. The particle of that tree still exists. It's just in the smoke form now. Okay. So at the end of the day, that tree really still exists. It just got burnt and it's in ashes now. 
So this tree, the particles of that tree is still there. It's yeah. just like us, our souls. We die. Yes, we'll move on. Yes, where do our soul go? I don't know the answer to that. I haven't died. And maybe I have, maybe I came back as me. I don't know. So I don't know all the answers to the world, but I do believe that we still are here. We're still around. We can still affect. We are energy. You know, that's what I truly believe. So have you, do you have any beliefs or thoughts on heaven, hell, and what could or could not put you in either or? And like, I, think, I think a lot of people think about this in their heart of hearts. This stuff is on their mind, but it's not They don't have all the answers. And, and I didn't have all the answers either, but you've obviously looked into this. Which is why I'm, it was why I'm asking. And, and when it comes to that question, there's so many point of views that you can get that. Like from but what I want to, I want to know. Point yes, of view, that's what I'm asking. My, Come on, Moses. <laughs> my point of view is, all right, because like I said, by me opening up to all these different things and having an open mind, to me, yes, there is a bad place. Yes, there is a good place. Okay. Now, what you would call it? My heaven or what I would call as heaven is the best memory. You will be stuck in a, a, a time loop that is your best memory, you know, okay. until whether you're ready to move on or however, because I don't know. That's what I would like to believe. I hear you. You know what I mean? Because I don't think we're all just going to go to a big place and be like, hey, look, there's everybody in heaven. We're all sitting around having, doing whatever we want. You know, I just believe that our our sense of heaven would be in something, our, our best memory or our best thought of life or our favorite something in our life. You know, I, I don't believe it's just going to be all pearly gates and gold, you know, like that. Now it's been more than, it'll be more than a physical gate and a physical road. I yeah. Just, yeah like, I, I just feel like it's going to be more and, to it. Like whatever your thought of heaven is, my thought of heaven is having my family, having my mom, having my kids and having the girl that I love that surrounding me. That would be my heaven. You know what I mean? And that's what I would believe my heaven would look like. You know, it may be totally different from yours. So yes, I do it's familial. Believe, yeah, familial, I, I do believe there's family. a good and a bad place. So of course, you always want to live to your best extent. And who knows, like they said, you will continue your loop until you change what you're doing. You know, so maybe we will come back until we learn what our true calling is. So maybe we will come back until we learn our mistakes. I don't know. So let me let me let me offer this, man. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of because I'm here and I understand it because I've, I've looked into this stuff too, of course. And mm -hmm. on the surface, religions look very similar. Like we said, they all want to produce good citizens, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to say, "Yeah, we produce criminals." <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? That's, that's not going to go well. Yep. They, they all want to produce good citizens. Yep. There is a foundational difference between. Christ and every other worldview. And that is that Christ says no one can earn their way in. He's like, it's impossible for anybody to earn their way in. And when he's talking about it with his disciples, they're like, well, what, what about us? <laughs> What's going to happen to us? Mm -hmm. You know, like, we're following you. We, we've, we've given up, you know, we stopped fishing. We we're spending time away from our families. We, we're, we're following you. We're doing mm -hmm. all this. And, and it's like, you it, it's amazing, but it's also like people don't like you either. Right. Jesus, but we're still here with you. We're going through it with you. We're standing mm -hmm. right next to you as they're, as they're coming at you, trying to find ways to really trap you and, and have you killed some way mm -hmm. legally. And, uh, and he said with God, when he said with man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Mm -hmm. So this is the difference about Christ. 
is that he says no one can get in. It's impossible. He's like, people try. He's like, people can try, but they can't get in. The standard is too high. The standard is you don't even have a wrong thought. You don't even have a wrong heart motive. Those things are symptoms of the fall mm -hmm. that came in when the fall came in. Sin, death, disease, condemnation. And he says, I love you still. I'm going to make a way for you by paying for you. Mm -hmm. And that is what the cross is. And, and that was his, that was him. He's saying nobody can pay it. Nobody can fulfill the Ten Commandments, basically. Who can, who can meet that standard? Nobody did. Everybody. And this is the thing that's about the Bible is that in the Bible, there's only one person who never failed. And that was Jesus. Mm -hmm. All the other people failed. I mean, people who had conversations with God, conversations with angels failed even right after they're like blessed is abram abram goes out and lies about his wife you're like well no she's not my wife she's my sister because i'm going to tell you that because i'm afraid that you might kill me mm -hmm. to get my wife so i'm gonna mm -hmm. so basically he's saying hey uh it's okay i'm saying it's okay if you go over there and he has sex with you he's saying that you know what mm -hmm. i mean it's kind of like yeah. whoa what in the world dude what everybody fails mm -hmm. There's no biblical character. There's only one biblical character that did not fail. And that's Jesus. So that is the foundational difference is that he says, this is, this is the foundational difference that makes it unconditional love. He's saying, nobody can get in, but I made a way for you and you can't earn the way in. And his disciples said, well, what do we have to do? And he says, here's what you do. You believe in him whom he sent. And that was him. Mm. And he's, so it's, it's a, it's, there's no, I have to go physically do this. I have to, I have to pray 10 times a day. I have to, I have to go out and do 15 good deeds a day or whatever. You can't earn it. And that's mm. grace. And then, and then he says, um, oh man, it's amazing. And I, and I want to get back to you talking because this is <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. But, hey, look, I'm here to learn too. But that is, that is the foundational difference. Mm -hmm. and, and then when you think about that, like that is really unconditional love because mm -hmm. you're talking about reincarnation, right? Mm -hmm. That's based off of, did your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds? Right. Mm -hmm. And the hope is, I hope they did. You don't really know. There's no one to say yes or no. Mm -hmm. You just hope. And that you don't come back as like a, a toad, a frog, a fly. Maybe you came yeah. back as a cannabis plant. Who knows, man? <laughs> you smoke right back. <laughs> and you're up in the ether, man. Yeah. Yeah. But my point is, is that that's the thing that, that, that didn't really sit well with me with, about the idea of reincarnation. Is like, when do you know you're off that karmic wheel? And it's yeah, kind of like, circle, and yeah, and it's like, and say, say what happened? Yeah, you made a bunch of mistakes. You you get knocked down a peg or two mm -hmm. and you got to go around. And it's like, when do you get off that wheel? It's like constant labor, but not physical, spiritual and mental and anxiety and stress. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that's where I was like, that didn't really sit well with me. Mm -hmm. But when it came to accepting unconditional love of Christ, that was almost too good to be true to me too. Mm -hmm. It was almost like, no way, man. You know what I, you know me mm -hmm. inside and out. And you're saying there's nothing I got to do to clean myself up mm -hmm. before you say you love me. Mm -hmm. And that is the difference. Mm -hmm. And Christ says this to his disciples. He says, 
when he's washing their feet. Are you familiar with that? When they're yeah. up in the room and he's washing their feet. Yeah. And uh, Peter says, you're not washing my feet, Jesus. And he's like, you walk in this world. You're already clean because you've been bathed. He's talking about you've are, you believe in me. Mm-hmm. You are, you are saved, but you walk in this world and this world has fallen. And as you walk in this world, figuratively and literally your feet are going to get dirty mm-hmm. and you need to clean your feet. Because mm-hmm. then Peter said, well, wash my heads and my, my hands and my head too. In other words, the things I do with my hands and the thoughts I have in my head, is just they need mind. to be clean too. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jesus said, you're already clean, mm-hmm. but you walk in this world. So that's that kind of unconditional love. It feels like it's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. But man, that is the difference between Christ and every other religion. No other, no other religion says... You believe in this figure because he paid for everything that's that's wrong, everything that you've ever done wrong Mm -hmm. and everything you ever will do wrong in the future. It's paid for. You are unconditionally loved. That is the foundational difference between Christ and every other worldview. I mean, they all it's like and that's the thing. And that's that was one of the reasons why I pushed away a lot of religions, because I was like, I can't measure up. Mm -hmm. There's no way the standards I'm, too high. Exactly. And that's what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think a lot of denominations in, in Christianity go wrong is that now it's about outward appearance. Yep. And, so go and, ahead. And this is why I feel like, especially nowadays, just like I spoke about the media and how many different opportunities and different ways that our kids can go. The mo- number one thing is just teaching them to be good. That's the number one thing because you can have your kids that you got in there right now, which are beautiful. Thank you very much. Um, one might grow up to be Jewish. One might catch a book of Muslims. One might grow up to be a Muslim. You believe in Christianity. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So at the end of the day, they might catch something that pulls them a different way. But as long as they're a good person, where can they go wrong? At? You see what I'm saying? No matter what they believe in, where can they go as long as they're a good person? I you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So that's my major thing is just get our kids to be better people, you know, better, better at whatever they want to be better at. Even if it's just doing now, I'm not going to say there's not going to be no more people that's going to be robbers and, you know, nothing like that. Yeah. There's always going to have some hard headed person that's just not going to learn. Yeah. And know? there's, yeah. And, 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 but at least you try. At least you try because nobody never tried with my brother. They never, they didn't care. So you know? where's your brother? What, what? My brother actually, he builds uh, commercial uh, warehouses in North Carolina. No kidding. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And he runs his own little thing out there and he's doing good at it. So right more power to him, you know, and he's got four kids, his wife, and to my knowledge, they're doing wonderful. They're what, doing wonderful. At what age did you guys stop living together? When, when you guys um, said... You, you took your you're still brothers obviously yeah, but, but you stopped living together because you went on your own your yeah own about 20 20 21 somewhere around there we actually just got our own separate places you know he he had his kids his family you know and i had mine you know my family so we went our separate ways but um of course we still stayed in touch for a long time and then we had our own you know brotherly issues stuff like that so yeah excuse me but we still talk here and there once in a while. So, and then as far as my sisters, as far as my oldest one, I heard she's doing good. The rest of them, I mean, we really don't touch bases. You know, life is crazy. You know, we try mm-hmm. to, but when we do, we we have a good time. We talk, we BS and have family fun, you know, but um, 
our major thing is we just we just wanted to see better for our family you know and, and that's that's my passion if i can reach a thousand kids my statement then i hope i can you know and it's just there's always hope there's always hope it's just about being at the right place at the right time hey man <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, look, hoarding yourself sometimes, it just, it, it just don't work. You got to get out. Like I thought my major answer was my problems was just not to go out no more. You know, I feel like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. No, now I know not to go out after eight o'clock because nothing good happens. <laughs> <laughs> but everything before that, you can miss blessings by, you know, just storing yourself away. No, go yeah. out there, get to know people, mingle with people. That's how you find different opportunities. That, and that's how I learned, you know, like, it's 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 best to get out there, but not in a horrible get out there way. You don't got to go clubbing. You ain't gotta, no, you can go, go to little parties, go to little functions, meet people, socialize, say hey, say bye, say, you know, stuff like that. Have a good day or hey, you got a pretty smile or if somebody's having a bad, a bad day like a lady at a Hardy's the other day, she was angry for no reason. I'm like, All right, I'm sorry, ma'am. I ain't even get to her window yet. But when I got to her window, she looked all angry and stuff like that. And I'm just like, oh, your nails look pretty today. Put a smile on her face. <laughs> Changed her whole day. You know, so it's the little things that you can say, do to pass along. You know, and, and that's what I would love to see get into our kids' mind now instead of all this. Anger, basically. Anger and anger. The sexual things that are on TV now. Oh, my God. The closest thing I remember seeing to sexual on TV was a Nair commercial that stopped at a kneecap. Yeah. And yeah. that, you know, that's something that, you know, I'm cognizant of that. What goes in their eyes and their ears. People say, oh, they're not going to remember. And it's kind of like you, that brain is complex. Exactly. And those images. It's there. Yep. It's there. It's there. So, I'm, I mean, that, that's another thing. You got to watch what they're watching. It's hard to. It is hard to because it's on everything. Tablets, phones, it's everywhere. Billboards, the whole nine. So it's hard to filter them from that, but at least give them the knowledge of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. look, this is what you may or may not see. You know what I mean? Don't try to hide them from it because I'm going to tell you right now, the craziest ones was the people that went to them Catholic churches or school, <laughs> Christian schools because they were hoarded from it. So when they got out, they got out. You know, you and, know so. And it's, it's strange, man. Pastors, kids, sometimes just, it's like they go off, you know, I, I, my dad was a pastor, but it's like, you know, I know what you're talking about. It's yeah. like the ones that are raised in it. Some, not all of them. It's because they keep like, them enclosed. And, and that's where, well, mm -hmm. I, yeah, this is probably part of it too. Yeah, because once they, and they get a taste of it, I've seen it with my own eyes. I dated a girl in a, in a Catholic school. I was going to Bethel. She went to uh, Hampton Christian High School. And I mean, she would sneak out of class to meet me, meet me at Bethel. I'll sneak out of class to meet her at her school. I mean, it, once they get it, it, it's a while because they don't know it. They don't, they was never, you know, yes, it's out there. Yes, this may go this way. Teach the them. awareness of it was. Was slim to none. Yeah. She didn't know nothing about nothing, you know? So me coming from the street, I know everything about everything. And then it clashed in the meets and it's just like, wow. You know, so it's always best to let them know that it's there, you know, but show them what's wrong with it. Show them what's right with it. Show, you know, show them them little things because that matters the most, especially when they're kids. Amen. Amen. Well, man, it's been good. Moses has been real good. I feel like I feel like there's some other things we could talk about. Oh man, there's a lot. I know. There's a so lot. we might have to do this again. We might have to come back for a part two. I don't mind. I don't mind. You just let me know. Right on. You just let me know. I'll shake. I shake yeah. it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you, Moses, for being here. It's, thank you. I enjoyed it thoroughly. This is Miguel Torres. And thank this is Moses. And this is Moses for Count the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast.
Thank you all. We'll see. We love you. We'll see you next time.